I want to make a couple of shout outs. Last week, we, um, you know, we gave a shout out to all of our church family and that have been watching online um, in Indiana and Ohio and in Louisiana. And we got a uh, Facebook message that we have family all the way. Her name is Jody, and she watches every week from Washington State. That's the one looking out in the Pacific Ocean. So can we welcome Jody and her family with us? And if you're watching online, uh, let us know where you're watching from. And also, we want to give a special shout out to... Uh, a lot A lot of you may not know our history is that we were two churches about ten and a half years ago that merged together to become one body that was formerly first uh, fort myers 's first Baptist and elevation ministries two uh, kind of polar opposites and expressions of worship and God unified us to be one church and we called ourselves city gate and Becoming CityGate and coming back from the pandemic, you know, a lot of our original First Baptist members are in that vulnerable age category and almost probably 90 90 to 95% of them have not been able to come back to the sanctuary. They all have been worshiping online. And we just want to say we miss you, we love you, and can't wait until this whole thing is over so we can all worship back here in the sanctuary. And then Miss Ann right up here, she is a powerhouse for God. And she has, I think, at least five people that have come to just be guests with her today. And uh, she's filling up this whole front area. So can we put our hands together and welcome all of those that are on Miss Ann's team. And the last announcement that I really need to make. Uh, whether you're watching online or you're here in the sanctuary. Last Sunday, we had between 16 and 18 people either rededicate their lives to the Lord or get saved for the very first time. Now that's worth praising the Lord about. If you are one of those that raised your hand last week, or if you're one of those that may raise your hand this week, we want to also encourage you to follow the Lord in water baptism. You say, Pastor, how in the world are we going to do water baptism with COVID? Well, we can't do it in one pool. So we got creative as a staff and we said, you know what? If, if we had so many people get saved and rededicate their lives to the Lord, we want to make baptism uh, a part of your walk of faith too. And if you are interested, there's people around the sanctuary and around the exits when you leave that'll have a light blue shirt that says connect or they'll have a lanyard, a light blue lanyard that says connect. Go to one of them and say, I'm interested in being baptized. This is what we're going to do. We are going to video it so we can do it. You know, it's a public confession of your faith. We're going to video it. And if you have a pool, I'll come to your house. If you don't have a pool, we'll schedule a time for you to come to my house. And if you don't want to get baptized in a pool, we'll go old school and go to the river or the beach. Okay. But we're excited about people getting baptized and taking the next step of their faith. Now, I have been in a series called Draw a Line in the Sand, and it's a study of the book of Daniel. And for those of you that may not have been with us all four weeks, because this is the end of the book of Daniel, and here's, I'm going to put it in, in just a few short statements. First week, I preached about these four teenagers getting, uh, they're a part of a group of captives that are taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And they get there and they have Hebrew names, Daniel, uh, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. 
are their Hebrew names. And immediately, as soon as they get to Babylon, they are renamed. Daniel becomes Belshazzar. And the three become what we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, but these names don't have kind definitions. Their names in Hebrew meant their connection with God, like God is glorious. And their Babylonian names, literally Daniel was, his name was changed to Belshazzar, which means lady protector of the king. You talking about gender confusion? I mean, they're calling a young man, a young lady, and I would be confused. And so we talked about when culture tries to identify who you are. And we realize that culture doesn't have the position to identify you. That God is the one that has the plan for you. And God is the one that identifies you. And so they got renamed. And then uh, most of the time when the enemy is asking you to compromise, he'll bring a reward with it. And he said, if you become Babylonian, you just accept your fate. We'll let you eat from the king's table. The best, the best food in all the kingdom. The problem even with the food is that it was against their Jewish dietary restrictions. They could never eat something offered to an idol. And all the king's food was offered to an idol. And so here we have them making a line in the sand saying, we're not going to eat that. And they say, give us vegetables and some water and we'll just figure it out. Give us 10 days. And if we're unhealthy, we'll eat from the king's table. But we're going to ask our God to provide us health. And not only were they healthy, they were the healthiest of all of them. And they allowed them, they made that stand. Week two was Daniel chapter three. It's a more famous story. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's in the fiery furnace. It's Jesus in the fire. It's the miracle. The fire doesn't burn them up. The king looks in and says, didn't we throw three people in there? Now I see four. And the fourth is like the son of God. But the chapter, and I've preached it, not wrong, but just, I got it, I got excited and I always wanted to get to the miracle, but the chapter is not about them getting rescued from the fiery furnace. It's about the power of, of refusing to bow your knee to an idol. And I ask you, what idols do we have? And uh, the, the main points is I always had a question in my mind. Why do people worship idols? And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, these are two reasons why people worship idols. One is they get to be in control and they get to put the idol anywhere they want to. So now they are in control of God. God is over here in my life. God is over there in my life. And the second, and probably more importantly, is there's never been an idol that could talk. So the God that you have in your life never tells you how to live, never tells you who to do it with or what to do or anything. He's just silent. And, and I thought, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. But we never want a silent God. How many of you need God in your life? Because life's just too big for us. Amen? Sure. And then last week we talked about another famous chapter, Daniel chapter six, and we go right to the miracle most of the time. And I go to preach Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you ever heard of Daniel in the lion's den? Say Amen. Yeah, the chapter, Daniel chapter six, not about lions. It's about prayer. And I asked you last week about the power of prayer and, and how Daniel, uh, the new king, had given a new law that said, you can only pray to me for 30 days. Now he's in a dilemma. He cannot pray for 30 days. But I told you last week that prayer to a believer is like breath to your body. How many of you can hold your breath for 30 days? No, we die. That's what trying to live spiritually without prayer is like. And I asked you at the end of the sermon, I said, you know what? Most of us would die for Jesus, but how many of you would die for prayer? Because that's what Daniel went to the lion's den over was prayer. Well, today I wrap up the, the, the book in chapters 9 and 10, and it's about prayers. 
It's about prayers that are unusual. It's about prayers that don't always get the response that you want. And so will you pray with me when I get started here? Can we just stop for a moment and ask God to anoint me with the Holy Spirit to pray that God move upon our heart through the authority of his word. Let's pray together. Father, today I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that allows preaching to be powerful. Not because, Father, I want people to say, oh, that was a great sermon. No, I would rather them hear the authority of your word and that I could become invisible so your voice becomes the one that they hear. And that, God, that you can use your word to touch our hearts in such a way that Sometimes we're going to get to where the rubber meets the road today and the power of prayer and what happens when things are not what you want. And so, Father, I ask you to go before us and touch the hearts and eyes and ears of this congregation that they would hear and see through your word. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, I've got to get you on a different page today before we get started full speed into this sermon. All this time, I've tried to paint a picture of you of each of these chapters. They say that that's what I'm good at, is telling a story. And so I try to tell a story to where you'll paint in your mind or in your heart a picture of what I'm trying to communicate so you think you see it. And for, four, for three straight weeks, I've had Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as teenagers or at least young men in their 20s. Erase that from your mind right now. Daniel is probably close to his mid-80s. It's been 67 years since he's gone to Babylon. He's no longer a young man. Now he's elderly. Now he is going to go before the Lord in chapter 9 as an experienced man of wisdom and faithfulness to God. He's, He's been captive now the majority of his life. He has lived in Babylon far longer than he ever lived in Jerusalem. And that's where chapter 9 starts out. It's chapter 9 is Daniel is coming to a place that he's understanding. See, Daniel knows the books of the prophets. He knows what Jeremiah said. But if God doesn't change his mind, he's probably not going to make it back home. He's in his mid-80s. They still got three more years, according to Jeremiah. The Bible records the prophecy of Jeremiah as such. Jeremiah 25, 11, and 12. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, talking about Israel. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are complete, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity declares the Lord making the land an everlasting waste. Now, Daniel's aware of this. Look at chapter nine of the book of Daniel. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the numbers of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. He is now going to take the next 16 verses and start to pray a prayer. I am going to try to convince you as much as I can what I truly believe about these 16 verses. It may be a perfect prayer. This guy starts out by praying and saying, God, I know you said it would take us 70 years, but if I have to wait till 70 years are completed, I'm probably not going home. 
So I, I want you to, will you listen to an old man that has been faithful to you? Remember, I went to the lion's den. I want to start by addressing my own sins. And I want to confess that I have personally sinned against you. And I want you to forgive me of my sins. And as a righteous man availing before the Lord, I want to also pray for the repentance of the sins of my nation. And I want to stand in their stead and not just speak with the voice of an individual man, but I want to stand here and say on behalf of all of us in captivity, on behalf of all of the nation of Israel, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Listen to the scriptures. Listen to this prayer. I'm not going to read all 16 verses. Let's start with just four and five. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant with steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and your rule. Go down to verse 16 and 17. O Lord, according to all of your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from the city of Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. He is praying. He is pouring it out. He's saying, God, I've done, I I, I know that you said 70 years, but is there any way that you can alter it just a little bit? We've learned our lesson. I've learned my lesson individually. I've learned, we've learned our lesson as a people. Can you shorten the, the captivity? Can we go home a little earlier? Will you please shine your face? I've heard Ezra is back in Jerusalem. He's trying to reestablish the temple again. Will you shine your face upon the temple again? The temple's a building without you. It's desolate. We need you here. And immediately, God sends an angel. Now, how would you like to pray and that you are, have so much favor with the Lord that God sends an angel to give you your answer? I mean, that would be pretty cool, right? Unless like, it's like at midnight and you're praying in the dark and all of a sudden, boom, I'm like, hey, you know, I don't want none of that. <laughs> listen to what, listen to what the angel says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he made me understand speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I have come to tell you for you are greatly loved. Therefore consider the word and understand the vision. He was getting a vision of, he was trying to have the understanding of a 70 week vision. And so what Gabriel was really saying is, Hey, he was answered immediately. And Gabriel shows up and says, Daniel, man, God loves you. You are greatly loved. You are the man you have been faithful, but the answer is no. Man, I can't do it, Daniel. See, my word has to be faithful throughout all generations. 
And I shared with Jeremiah that it would take 70 years. And he boldly professed and prophesied that it would take 70 years. There's more in the game here than just you, Daniel. But the answer is no. What happens when God tells you no? Then all of a sudden the songs sometimes aren't as fun. Dave, this last Tuesday, we, we were in here worshiping with the herd and, and we had some wings in the back. Joe put on his magic and, and threw some wings together. And, you know, I prayed. I said, God, make these wings healthy, even though we're lathering them in deliciousness and, and sauces and some are hot and some are mild. Some are in the middle. Some even taste like peanut butter and jelly. Make no calories out of these. In Jesus' name, amen. And God said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not where I had the trouble. After we ate the, after we ate the, the wings, we come in here to worship and Dave was leading us in worship and he, he started out, you know, him and Ethan were, Ethan was playing the sax. Dave was playing his guitar and he started out with good, good father. Now that's one of my favorite songs. Now I'm not a good singer. So you online, you know, don't send me an email saying, pastor, don't sing. It hurts my feelings. I know I can't sing, but just for the sake of the message, I have to sing so you get the part, you know, get the understanding of it. You know, that song, I wish David would come up here and sing it for me, you know. It, you know, he was singing it and it starts out about, I heard a thousand stories of why they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers in the dead of night. That wasn't bad. <laughs> and I mean, I'm lost. I've got to be two places at one time. I've got to be in here for a while in worship and I've got to be back at Oneness Embrace back there in the activity center because we're doing two things and, and man, I, they're both important and I had to be in two places. So I'm just, I got the first two songs out of four. The first one was Good, Good Father. And I'm just, I'm, I don't have time to wait you know, till I feel it. I'm just going to feel it from the beginning. I'm walking around the sanctuary. It's dark. I got my hands raised and it gets to that part in the, at the end of the song that kind of you struggle with sometimes when it goes, you're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. It's who you are. He's perfect even when the answer's no. See, sometimes that's when we have the thoughts like, God, how could you not have done this? I went to the lion's den for you. You couldn't give me a three-year break to get me back home. But he knew God was faithful. He knew that he knew more than he had the information for. And sometimes we struggle with doubt or even resentment. And even sometimes, can we be honest? We get mad at God when he don't do what we want him to do, when he wants us, when he, we want him to do it. And everything isn't an instant miracle. Sometimes it's a process and we get angry. I've been doing this for 26 years now vocationally. I'm going to tell you something about if you've ever been angry with God, he loves you, but just cause you don't believe in him anymore. Doesn't make him any less God. It doesn't hurt him as much as it hurts you. 
I mean, you're really not, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to steal a, a phrase from Pastor Matt, and I think he stole it from somebody else. I can't even remember who he stole it from. But it says, don't cut your nose off and ask somebody to smell a rose. Who was that, Pastor Matt? Robbie, Robbie Zacharias. Yeah, don't, don't tell somebody, you know, don't cut their nose off and tell them to smell a rose. You know, don't spite yourself. So let me tell you what it really looks like. God didn't heal grandma. And yes, he did. He didn't heal her the way you wanted her to. There ain't no sick people in heaven. Grandma's in perfect shape up there. But you wanted her, you understandably didn't want grandma to go to heaven right now. And you wanted her to be healed. Now you're hurt. Now you're mad. And now you're upset because God didn't do it the way you wanted to do it. You know, so you're not going to believe in him anymore. What it really is interpreted, you know, I have the gift of interpretation sometimes. This is it. Look at, listen to how it sounds. Let's say that I did this so I won't put it on you. And I did this and this is how it sounds. God, I'm so mad at you. I'm going to hell. That's not a good trade. You know, don't get that mad. <laughs> You're not going to win that race. But the answer was no. I'm not going to shorten it. Now, about three to four, maybe five years have passed between chapter nine and chapter 10. So now he's even older. He's now heard that the temple is, is starting to... Um, be erected and Ezra is trying to redefine God's people by God's word, but he's meeting opposition. Let me tell you something that is going to be truth. You can call it prophetic. You can call it whatever you want. If you're doing anything great for God or doing anything great, period, whether it's spiritual or whether it's practical, anything great comes with opposition. You're not going to win every race. Sometimes you have to learn a few lessons when you lose, when the answer is no, when it's not your time, when it's not your turn. And sometimes people get so amazed that God, how could God allow, if he's a God of love and he loves me, how, why is he let me go through this? Sometimes you're learning some stuff. Sometimes it's just opposition. You're going to fight through. You get some strength when you fight something. That's what makes people work out. We don't want to know how much you bench pressed on your first day. We want to know that the next day your muscles were sore because they were broken down and they were revolting against their former condition. And then, but yet you keep doing it over and over and they get sore, but then the soreness goes away and you're bench pressing more than you did the first day because you fought through it. Daniel hears about this situation and it grieves him and he starts to mourn and he is willing to take some action with his mourning and his grief. He wants to pray and not only pray, he's going to fast for 21 days. He's not going to eat any meat. Now that's a struggle for me. I'm a meat eater. I'm not a big vegetable person. For all of you vegans in the house and over behind that camera, I get it. You're skinnier than me. You're healthier than me. I don't like vegetables. Not a lot of them anyway. But I probably could do the meat. I could probably do anything for 21 days. But the second one is even tougher than the first one. The Bible says no delicacies. That means no sweets. Anybody ever been to my mom's house? She makes sweet tea that will rival any syrup you've ever put on a pancake. I mean, it is sweet. 
and my mom loves candy as much as I do. This is a side note. This is one rabbit. I get one rabbit a sermon. Here it is. She watches kids from the church sometimes and from our family. And she's got, and, and she really has candy everywhere. Because she knows that me and my brother and sister love candy. She's taught us that. Well, one of the, the little girls had an issue with sugar. She was staying up too late. She was loving it too much. Throwing a couple fits when she didn't get it. So she was going, my mom was going to teach her. And so she took all the candy away. I come bebopping in the house like, hey, what's up? Going fishing this afternoon. Love you. How's the kids? Doing great. I go to the regular place, open up the jar, empty. Open up the next jar, empty. Open up. I go to the place where little Debbie lives. I look in her house and I said, where are you at, dear sister? Gone. I said, what is going on in this place? She said, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some character building. I've hid all the candy. I said, I got good character. Where's it at? <laughs> she had to go in the bedroom, in the closet and sneak out. So I ate my candy and the next day I, I petitioned before her and said, put little, I'm not gonna mention who it is, put little, put little sweet so-and-so on probation. Give her back her some candy. <laughs> So she got back on a little bit of candy, but let's go on. No candy, no meat, and wouldn't even drink any wine, just water. 21 days, he's praying and fasting for the condition of Jerusalem and the house of God. On the 21st day, after the fast, perfect timing, he's walking down the river. Now, he's an old guy, so I'm not going to say he's running. He's kind of just chilling. He's got his people around him, got some servants and he gets a vision. The vision isn't of restored Jerusalem. The vision is victorious Jesus. He's one of only two living people that have seen such a vision and lived. Let me read you what Daniel saw. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. Look at your neighbor and say, fine gold. Around his waist and his body was like burl and his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of varnished bronze and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. Eyes like fire, mm. arms and feet like brass and the voice of a multitude. He's got on fine clothes with a golden belt. Sound familiar? This is the incredible part. He's never met Jesus before. Listen, do you remember how I described him? How Daniel said he looked? Listen to what John saw. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to per Pergama, to Thyatira, to Sardis and to Philadelphia and Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstand, I saw one like the son of man clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest, golden belt. Oh man gets better. 
His hair, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished, burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth come a sharp two edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. John says his face looked like the sun. Daniel said it looked like lightning. Both of them said eyes like fire, feet like bronze, having fine linen like a priest with a golden belt, the victorious Jesus, not the beat up Jesus, not the crucified Jesus. I'm talking about victorious Jesus, the one at the end that starts a kingdom that has no end. Now, he does the same thing that John does. He passes out. Boom. Bam. You say, how do you know that? He writes it this way. You ever notice how you write it better than it really is? He said, all my strength was gone and I fell asleep. That's code for I passed out. (laughs) While he's passed out, God dispatches Gabriel back to Daniel. He touches him and says, get up, man. He can only get to his hands and knees, which is a wonderful place to be in the presence of God. And he says, no, 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 stand to your feet. And he said, I stood trembling. And Gabriel said these words. It has taken me 20, when God heard you the first day that you prayed, he gave me your answer. And it has taken me 21 days to get to you. 21 days, yeah, I had to fight the prince of Persia. That's spiritual terms for spiritual warfare. Oh, wait a minute. Well, first of all, this isn't Jesus because Jesus don't have no problems with battles. He's won every one. But he can't be at every place at the same time. Gabriel can't. Jesus can. Gabriel can. He's an angel. He's not omnipresent. So he's got to fight some battles while he's carrying a message. You can play something. Maybe that'll help me finish. He's carrying this message and fighting. He's in such a battle that the Lord has to dispatch another archangel, Michael, to help him. You're talking about some kung fu jujitsu. Man, you get some angel stuff going. We got, we got a professional up in the balcony. I'm going to make him show me some jujitsu. I'm going to throw somebody around. Uh, in my future, I feel that. I'm going to like, come here, J.J. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some defense moves. <laughs> that was, that's my second rabbit. I apologize. <laughs> I just saw it. I had to do it. And he said, it's taken me 21 days. First thing you have to realize is that there's a spiritual realm that's just as real as the one you can see, smell, taste, and hear. You say, pastor, is there really a spiritual realm? Now, you know, I have a vivid imagination. You read it in the book, uh, book of second Kings. There was once a time where the prophet, there was an invading army, a king and an invading army in Israel. And he kept accusing his generals of being spies for Israel because every one of their plans would be told to the armies of Israel. And he finally gets all his generals and says, I'm going to kill all of you, man. One of you is a spy. Somebody better come clean. I'm just going to kill you all. They said, it's not us. It's that prophet. He knows what you're thinking of. God knows and he tells him. He tells the king. He said, go get me that prophet. He was afraid to kill him. He said, go get him, capture him, bring him home. So they surround the city he lives in. 
Now here's where my imagination jumps in. This is not in scripture. I'm like, it, it, it. his servant's name is Gehazi. And Gehazi goes out to get like the morning paper and you know, the prophet's getting his coffee. Gehazi runs back in and says, hey man, we're in trouble. We're surrounded by the enemy. Their whole army is here. And it's just like he takes another sip and goes, there's more of us than with them. Now, Gehazi goes, now, hey, prophet. I mean, I'm, I was good at school, but math is not my best subject, but I can do this math. One, two. Opens up the door. Yeah, there's more of them. You're wrong on this one, brother. Prophet just sips his coffee and prays. Father, show him what you've showed me. He doesn't even get worried. He says, now go on back outside and look. And tell me what you see. He goes outside and says, oh man, I see it. They're surrounded by flaming, fiery chariots from heaven. There are more of us than there are with them. We're okay. Drink your coffee, prophet. There is a real battleground going on in a realm you cannot see. Secondly, even though the first prayer years earlier in chapter nine was no, he never goes home, but he never gives up. He prays for 21 days. What happens to your prayer when it doesn't get an answer the first day? Well, I pray the second day. What if heaven is silent on the second day and the third day and the fourth day? How many of us keep praying when the answer is delayed? Now, wait a minute before you say, oh, I don't ever give up. He's perfect in all of his ways. I know you want the answer right now, but sometimes it takes some time because he knows more. Remember? And when he gets touched by, by Gabriel and he lifts an old man back to his feet and he said, what you saw is better than Jerusalem being rebuilt because it's going to be rebuilt for a short period of time and they're going to worship in the temple and his presence will fill the house. But there's one coming that will be born prophesied of the prophet Isaiah which will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He will be Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. And he is who you saw. And his kingdom will never end. So what literally he was saying is, and when you read it closely, he comes and says, you're loved again. You're greatly loved, Daniel. I'm sorry I had to say no to you the first time, but it wasn't part of my plan, but you still trusted me. And brother, you are praying and mourning and fasting over Jerusalem. Stand to your feet because I'm giving you a word that is greater than yes. I'm going to go back and inhabit the house in Jerusalem. I will inhabit that temporarily, but I am building a house that is not made with brick or stone. I am building a house in the flesh of men where I will live in them and his kingdom will never come to an end. He whispers, we win in the end. Daniel never goes home, but he dies in peace. We're going to go into a moment of worship and then I'm going to come and ask you a couple questions like what happens when God says no? What happens when his answer is delayed?
and it's not what you want to hear and it sounds like heaven is not saying anything at all do you still think he knows best and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and tip it tip tip my hand a little bit if you keep praying what does God want to whisper to you because his answer will come
whole earth is full of his glory. The same Jesus that Daniel saw and John saw redeemed you and me. Went to a cross, paid a price that we could never pay for the remission of our sins. Then through the authority uh, of his sovereign Godship, he rose from the dead. Died so we could get it resurrected to guarantee it. Maybe you're here and you're one of those that got mad at God. Oh, we're not judging. We've been mad too. Maybe you just thought that the no was unreasonable and it hurt you and it wounded you. But now you know he has more information than you have. And he's God and he's perfect in all of his ways. But maybe you're either coming to the Lord for the first time or maybe you just need to come home. Maybe you're exhausted from running and it's just time to come home again. I can't promise that if you get saved today that every answer to your prayer is going to be yes. It's not. There's going to be some no's. You're going to have to trust Him. Every prayer you pray is not going to be answered immediately. The only one that's ever answered immediately is the prayer of salvation. It's when you ask to forget, get forgiveness of your sins. It doesn't matter what continent, what language, where you are in a building, outside of a building, in your car, in the jungle. It doesn't matter when mankind says, Lord, I am in need of a savior. I am a sinner that needs the, the price paid for me. I acknowledge your lordship. I acknowledge that you died on a cross. I acknowledge that you resurrected from the dead. And it's not in my good works I can be saved, but it is through your holy provision. That's what makes the difference. Maybe it's you wanting to come home. Maybe it's you wanting to start a, a, a relationship with a God, whether you're at your living room or you're in this building. But if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, normally we have people raise their hand and then we pray for you, but because of COVID, we're just going to pray together. I'm going to acknowledge who you are that raises your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you up to the front. I'm just wanting us to make a moment that's holy. And that where you come to a position where you recognize your sins are too heavy to carry. And now it's time for him to be Lord of your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you. Would you just honor him and honor me by making your profession of faith public by simply raising your hand? Is there any? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them up for a minute. Thank you. Is there any others? Thank you up in the balcony. Any more? Thank you down here. I see all the hands going up. Thank you. They say the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But you happen to be in the company of righteous people, not just a righteous man. So would you open up your eyes and every person that raised their hand, I want you to know we're all going to say the prayer with you. We believe in what God does right here, right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father. Oh, we got three people praying. 
We had more people raise their hand. Come on now, let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, we are a sinner in need of a Savior. We acknowledge who you are, the Son of God that takes away the sins of the world. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I think you paid the price at Calvary. And now I accept that free gift of salvation. I don't have to earn it. It's not because of my good behavior. It's because of your perfection. Your sinlessness. And not only did you die for me, but you resurrected from the dead for me. And because you live, I can live. And I have now eternal life. And I'm always going to be your son or daughter. In Jesus' name. Amen. And they say heaven celebrates. So let's celebrate. If you raise your hand, please find one of the people with a connect shirt. You need them, not like you need Jesus, but second best, okay? Because they're going to help you get started. They're going to tell you what to do. They're going to tell you what to read. But will you pray one more prayer with me? We, we decide right now that if God doesn't answer the prayer that we pray right now, instantly, we're going to keep praying until we get an answer. And we're not going to give up, but I'm going to give you the secret. No matter what you have to pray about right now, we win in the end. The victorious Jesus starts a kingdom that has no end. Let's pray for the needs of our family. Father, right now, I praise you and thank you. I thank you for the many hands that went up that now find themselves as children of God. That, Father, that the power of their salvation is not in their good works, it's not in their behavior, but it is in you. You're going to disciple, we're going to help, you're going to help us disciple them and make them followers of Christ. They're going to know your ways. They're going to know your words. They're going to follow you and be obedient to who you are in their life. But father, there's other needs beyond salvation. We have family members that need miracles. We have a nation that a world that's in a pandemic. We have people that we know and love that are sick at the point of death. But Father, we praise you because we know that you not only have the answer, you are the answer. So God, we're going to pray for, for COVID to go away every single week. We're going to pray for miracles to happen and the impossible to be possible every single week. We're going to pray for encouragement for those that feel absolutely alone and going through this upside down world in their living room. Father, we pray for the comforting power of the Holy Spirit to be with them, strengthen them, encourage them, be their God. Father, let them know that you love them just like you love Daniel. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend.